You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. Got my uh, good friend Carmi Levy with me today. Thanks for joining me, Carmi. Great to be here, Mike. Thanks for having me on. We've got a cool program. Uh, later on, we're going to be talking about the AI Safety Summit that just happened uh, recently. And uh, a lot of the big countries like the U.S., but also China was there, which I thought was uh, pretty interesting. We'll also be talking about tire technology, specifically around electric vehicle tire technology. There's some really interesting things you need to know if you've got an EV or thinking about getting one. And uh, we're all aging. It's getting a little harder to see things, a little uh, more difficult to hear things uh, as well as uh, I used to. Of course, I love technology and I use a lot of these digital assistants. Well, uh, Alexa is doing a lot in that area to make it uh, easier to see things and hear things. We're going to be talking with Celine Lee over at Amazon about some of the new features that they have as well. But Carmi, let's get into some of the uh, the tech news. And of course, the big, the big uh, story this week, Disney Plus. Well, maybe it's not the biggest story. <laughs> it's uh, it comes down to password sharing again. So we saw this back, uh, you know, earlier this year. Netflix cracked down on users sharing their password with friends and family that didn't live in the same household. And uh, if they were doing so, those uh, other folks found that uh, they couldn't access Netflix anymore. Uh, you could add additional users, so I think, for 8 bucks a month. Now it looks like Disney is cracking down as well. You know, they are having challenges uh, making money right now, so I guess this is one way for them to uh, potentially uh, get some extra dollars in. But uh, essentially, they are shutting down the password sharing. So if you've got a Disney Plus account, you can't share your account and password with someone that lives outside of your home. Was this a big surprise to you, Carmi? No, not at all. In fact, Mike, when Netflix announced that it was cracking down on password sharing earlier this year, I remember saying at the time that this was going to be the canary in the coal mine. The entire industry was going to watch Netflix's experience. They're kind of like the 800-pound gorilla of streaming. They're the biggest player. Uh, they tend to set the standard. Uh, and based on how Netflix's experience played out, you kind of suspected that the rest of the industry was going to follow suit. And that's exactly what's happened. The fear when Netflix launched its initiative was that everybody would cancel in droves and, and uh, you know, the company would pay for it. And sure enough, there were some cancellations. But as the, the data has flowed in, Netflix has reported uh, their quarterly earnings a couple of times since then. And uh, it's been rather interesting. The numbers are trending upward. Yes, they've lost some uh, subscribers who very loudly complained on the way out the door. But uh, many more people have said, you know what, OK, we'll, we'll pay extra. We'll get that additional perk on the account so that we can continue to have our kids at university sign in on the family account or uh, individual you know, who might have broken up from relationships, went and out, out and got their own accounts. Uh, so the net impact for Netflix has been positive. And certainly Disney looking across uh, across at their competitors saying, you know what, consumer behavior is probably pretty consistent. Uh, we need to start finding ways of reining that in as well and clawing back some of the lost revenue from having all of this sharing going on unchecked. So they sent an email to their subscribers basically saying that as of this month, uh, they are going 
going to be cracking down. They'll be tracking IP addresses, uh, and anyone who is seen to, to be using the same password, uh, accessing the same account from different locales, uh, not in the same household, uh, will be very politely tapped on the shoulder and given the opportunity to upgrade. Uh, so they're not saying, you know, sort of how they're going to be going about that, really keeping a lot of those details close to their vest. Uh, but at the same time, I think this is the new industry trend. Uh, your production costs are going up. It's becoming a lot more competitive. Um, pretty much everyone who's going to subscribe to streaming services is. So growth is sort of flattening out. So they've got to clean up their 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 operations. They've got to look for opportunities to generate revenue where they weren't generating it before. And guess what? Password sharing is the new the new hot thing in the industry. And I'm guessing the the good times for consumers are drawing to a close, no matter who they subscribe to. Okay, let's move from Disney to trucks. What a great segue, yeah. right? <laughs> Dodge. I love me a good truck. <laughs> well, it, it's interesting because uh, I I drive a Tesla and I love it. I, I I just couldn't go back to a you know a gas powered car. But that being said, I have a giant Dodge truck, and it's because I got into uh, you know RVing. I, I bought a big huge trailer, and the only thing that can tow it is of course a gas truck. Uh, you mm. know, I was looking into electric trucks there's not really much out there there's the ford f-150 lightning uh, the cyber truck is just rolling off the line now that's tesla's version of an electric uh, truck but from everything i've read so far uh carmy with these electric trucks the the range they they tell these long ranges with them but the second you tow anything with them it just kills it do you know what i mean yeah so what I, I got excited when to, uh, Dodge uh, announced uh, one of their new trucks. Uh, what is it? A Ram Charger. So yeah. this thing has, and it hasn't been tested yet, okay? But they're claiming a 690-mile range. And that's actually made up of an electric engine and also a gas generator. So this is kind of a weird hybrid. And it's not the kind of hybrid that you might be thinking uh, there is a gas motor on it, a V6, but it's basically only there to charge the battery, if that makes yeah, sense. It, yeah, it's not even directly connected to the wheels. It's, it's what's known as a it's, a it's a generator. And so what it does is it provides power to recharge the electric battery. It's a 92 kilowatt hour battery. So a fairly significantly sized battery and uh, uh, it has a usable capacity of just over 70 kilowatt hours. And what that means is that you can drive upwards of two, the, the, they're claiming 230 or so kilometers of range, about 145 miles um, before the battery itself runs out and it flips over to uh, internal combustion to that six-cylinder hurricane engine. Uh, that is absolutely crucial because obviously if, you know, in a, with a Ford Lightning, um, it's all electric, lose the battery, you need to recharge. Whereas a plug-in plug hybrid electric vehicle, it'll have a shorter range than a pure battery electric vehicle, but then you can run it like a conventional gas-powered truck. And that has huge appeals of people who like to take their vehicles on longer trips outside of uh, their immediate urban area, not commuting, but going far, uh, towing something, which of course saps your range, saps your efficiency. So it gives you the best of both worlds. Um, and it really is an answer to you know the, the problem the industry has had. A lot of people would buy an electric vehicle, but when they go away on vacation or take that road trip, uh, it suddenly becomes a logistical nightmare as they figure out where to charge up. And it becomes even worse when you're towing something because efficiency absolutely tanks there. Uh, this answers a lot of questions that a lot of people have had for a number of years and really reinforces 
PHEV, plug-in hybrid electric vehicle technology, as a critical bridge technology to get us away from internal combustion and toward battery electric, but without giving up the benefits of a gas-powered vehicle, meaning we're not going to have range anxiety, we're not going to get stranded in the middle of nowhere because we couldn't figure out the charge on our battery. Uh, I'm looking forward to driving one of these things. I think this thing is going to be huge. They will sell every single one of them, them that they can make, no matter what they charge for it. I want one. My my only concern, <laughs> Carmi, this thing is not going to be cheap. Oh no! No, I mean e- even a conventional pickup, right? Like even a a, a pickup with ju- that just has a conventional internal combustion engine in it. You go to the configurator on any one of the big three's websites. You can very easily uh, spec one of these things out into triple digits, and that's just for a conventional gas-powered vehicle. So now you add all of this additional technology. A PHEV has two forms of propulsion technology under the hood, uh, and it is going to be incredibly expensive. And you can be absolutely certain that uh, Stellantis, which of course owns Ram, uh, will not be specking or will not be building uh, the cheap entry-level work trucks first. They're going to be you know, building the loaded-up versions uh, that sell for well into the six figures. So no, you, know, you better get your wallet ready. Um, and this is going to be expensive initially, but that's always been the way, right? New technology gets introduced at the top of the market. Uh, the engineering gets figured out. The bugs get worked out. And then eventually it's spreads to the rest of the market in much the same way Jeep has been, been selling vehicles based on its 4xE or 4xE technology, which is also a plug-in hybrid electric vehicle technology. Um, and that technology will eventually migrate to other vehicles in the Stellantis portfolio and presumably other manufacturers uh, under Stellantis's umbrella. And so this is how the industry works. It'll start expensive. Eventually, it'll get cheaper. Eventually, this is what we'll all be driving. I need it to be cheaper now because I want to buy this when it first comes out. And I I don't I don't have a hundred thousand dollars to <laughs> to blow on a truck maybe, but maybe we could share one <laughs> maybe but you know what I I have a car and a truck right now if I just had one like it's appealing because it could still be a commuter vehicle for me because I exactly. could just use the electric part I, there's enough juice in there to get me you know to you know I live in White Rock all the way to Vancouver it's about 50 60 K uh, no problem which would mm-hmm. be which would be great and this thing can tow 14,000 pounds. It just blows every other EV truck out of the water right now. It's remarkable. I'm, yeah. If I'm Ford, I'm looking at this going, hmm, maybe we should be looking at something like, you know, <laughs> maybe we should have had a PHEV version as well. And presumably they will. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, there's I, no question. I, yeah, and, you know, and this is the way it is in the in the you know in the pickup industry. Uh, they all copy each other, and pretty soon the you'll there will be a GM version, there will be a Ford version. It is inevitable, and I think this is good because uh, competition, you know, m- moves technology into the mainstream faster. We'll all benefit eventually someday, but we might even be able to afford this stuff. Don't forget to enter our contest. We're giving away an iPhone 15. www.getconnectedmedia.com. We're going to be uh, also giving you a secret word at the end of the show that will get you extra ballots to increase your chances uh, to win. So again, getconnectedmedia.com, get your uh, your digits, your your info in there to enter the contest and potentially win that iPhone 15. We've got a lot more to talk about here on Get Connected, including the AI Summit. They're concerned about how AI is developing and they're trying to come up with rules and regulations around it. Are they going to be successful? Tune in and find out. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. We're going to talk about accessibility tech now, and I've got a great uh, guest with me. She's been on the program before, Celine Lee from Amazon. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. 
the wonderful thing about technology is that it just uh, brings everything to everyone. And I've uh, recently been uh, able to go to one of your events where you actually showcase some of the accessibility technology you have with Alexa, which I think is uh, an enabler to allow everyone to access uh, information and technology. And uh, Alexa is a very popular voice assistant with the Amazon uh, Echo uh, devices uh, out there. And uh, let's just talk about some of the uh, the highlights of uh, what you guys are, are doing right now. Why is it important for Amazon, Amazon to be into the uh, accessibility realm? Well, I think it is really uh, linked to our one of our core values, which is um, you know customer obsession. We really want to work backwards from the customer and design our products with them in mind. And uh, you know, if you think about Amazon's mission, it's also to be uh, Earth's most customer-centric company. And so that goes into how we think about um, our products. Uh, we really ask ourselves uh, two questions: Do we, how do we make each of our products accessible? And then is there anything about this product uh, or feature or, or you know, service that would be particularly important for someone with disabilities? And so we're really excited to get a chance to um, you know, show how uh, it's a little bit like the curb cut effect, how you make something more accessible and it really benefits everyone. And we're really, really proud of that. It's interesting. Um, I mean, there's so many layers to accessibility. Uh, I've experienced it myself. My parents are aging now um, and... Uh, I've used Amazon Echo devices in their home to help them access uh, different services and even smart home uh, technology, which has been fantastic. They can get the robot vacuum uh, going. They can create grocery lists or even order uh, an, an Uber. Uh, but let's just kind of break it down a little bit uh, further when it comes to accessibility. So for people with uh, low vision, what, what do you guys uh, offer? Yeah, we have um, just a a large array of uh, features that help with people with low vision across multiple of our devices. So for instance, um, on Fire TV, we have uh, a feature called Voice View, which allows uh, customers to uh, hear what is preselected by uh, your remote. And so that way you can kind of navigate um, and hear the navigation as you use the device. So if they can't see it well they'll hear it as you're going through every menu item exactly they will they will hear it as they go through the menu um, another example that works uh, also on fire tv as well as uh, tablet devices is text banner um, that helps people with low vision or who have a narrow field of view um, by displaying information in a white bright box in in a bigger font so that they can more easily read what um, is currently selected and so they can navigate uh, the screen better and that's just a few examples and we're really excited about um, how it enables people to have access Access to entertainment better. Well, this is interesting. So when you talk about Fire TV, you've actually got like full televisions that are smart Fire TVs, but you also have the uh, the sticks and the, the cubes as well that people could buy to hook up to any TV. That is correct. And so these accessibility features work across uh, the portfolio of Fire TV devices, whether you purchase, uh, you know, a Fire TV stick or a Fire TV uh, Omni series, uh, all of these features will be available across uh, the portfolio. What are you excited about as you guys develop uh, these technologies? 
I think I'm really excited about just the impact uh, that these technologies have. And again, you mentioned uh, uh, aging earlier, and that's another great example. It really is technology that helps uh, people across their walks of life, uh, whatever their situation is, and knowing that we're able to impact so many lives with things that um, help you know people live more uh, fully to the extent that they're able to. It's just really uh, something we're proud about. I mentioned the uh, the Echo Show devices. So you've got a few different types. You've got um, the smart speakers. Uh, you know, obviously you can talk to them using uh, the Alexa voice assistant. Uh, you've also got the the smart displays uh, as, as well. What are some of the things that you can do with, with those? So um, the Echo Show family of devices, you have the screen, uh, like you mentioned, and the camera, and that allows us to do um, a number of things that are really exciting in the accessibility space. So for example, we have um, a feature called Gestures, which allows customers to um, use just hand gestures to control their device instead of speaking to it. So if you had an alarm go off, you could just raise your hand and the, the alarm will turn off. Or um, we have um, another um, feature that allows customers to tap to Alexa. So let's say you have a speech impairment and you can't speak to the device. You can tap on the screen and interact with Alexa that way, uh, you know, accessing any features or uh, tasks that you would like to perform. So these are just two examples where the screen becomes another input into the device, uh, helping customers who have different, you know, mobility, speech impairment um, to access all of these different features. It's kind of cool because uh, I'm getting asked more and more because, uh, you know, a lot of my friends' parents are are aging uh, as well. You know, how can they use technology to help look after them better? And I always just point to the Amazon uh, Echo devices because they're just so simple. You know what I mean? Like, because you can kind of overthink these things sometimes, but just setting up one of these devices, uh, you know, they can use their their voice or like you said, you know, the tap uh, to screen feature there uh, as well. Uh, but they're so versatile, um, you know, as well. Like, you know, I, I use it for uh, the photo frame feature example, you know, so if they're not using it, just pops up the, you know, photos of the, the grandkids and things uh, like that. But I was surprised at how easily they took to it to just use their voice uh, to control things and, you know, create those uh, those grocery lists uh, and and do that type of thing we hear from customers how you know just using their voice uh, to control their smart home has changed their lives uh, customers who are quadriplegic and are now able to live more independently thanks to alexa and then another thing i think that is important um, not only are they simple to use but we also offer um, a great portfolio of devices and you know the affor- affordability is important because depending on uh, where you're at you're you're you know may not have access to all of the uh, complex um, uh, accessibility systems that are out there, but this really opens the door to more people getting access to accessible features. We've been talking with Celine Lee from Amazon all about the accessibility features uh, that they offer on their different uh, devices. I want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you. My pleasure. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk here on Get Connected. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. We're going to talk tire tech now. There's a lot of innovations happening in the automotive world, everything from autonomous vehicles, uh, you know, self-driving cars, and, uh, of course, electric vehicles as well. What does that mean for tires? Do we have to do anything different there? On the line, we've got Russell Shepard. He is with Michelin. Uh, they're the, one of the biggest uh, tire companies uh, in the world. Russell, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So... Uh, 
Yeah, uh, it's it's interesting to me. I have uh, an electric vehicle myself and uh, keenly uh, interested in, of course, self-driving cars as well, being a, an Uber nerd. Uh, let's let's start with uh, electric uh, vehicles. Uh, you know, what do we have to look for, uh, you know, if we are getting into uh, an, an EV? Is it the same type of tire or is there different considerations? Uh, there are different considerations, but it doesn't mean it's necessarily a different type of tire. There are really three things to think about when you talk about the relationship of an electric vehicle of tires. Those are, it's the wear life, and I'll talk about the reasons why. Uh, the range of an electric vehicle is really the one component that can impact um, aftermarket your your range the most is uh, are tires. And then there's the noise. Okay, so three things, range, wear life, and noise. Those are, those are the considerations. Um, the, the, the wear life is because I think many of us know by now electric vehicles are heavier. You take out the internal combustion engine and transmission, you replace it with little bitty motors, but you also replace it with that battery pack. It lowers the center of gravity of the vehicle, which makes it a lot of times more, uh, better handling, more fun to drive. But overall, it's a heavier vehicle. It can make the vehicle for the same size tire about 10% heavier, and that can impact your wear life by about 20%. What Michelin does in those cases is we have technologies that we develop and continue to develop to improve the wear life so that whether you drive an electric vehicle or not, you meet that same promise, that same reward. So that's that's the impact. The other thing about electric vehicles that impacts the wear life is the regenerative braking. So when you drive a normal internal combustion engine and you're ready to stop, you take your foot off the accelerator, in this case, we can call it a gas pedal, and you coast. When you drive an electric vehicle, many of them have the setting to where you take your foot off the accelerator and you go into a regenerative braking mode. So there's more braking and less coasting in normal driving of an electric vehicle, and it's distributed more on the rear in many cases. So that is an additional reason why tires wear faster. Uh, again, Michelin, we we uh, have a lot of technologies and years of research. And so what you'll see us doing is really improving the wear life of our tires one generation after another by about 20%. Range. Uh, here's something that a lot, not a lot of people know. Going from a, you buy a brand new electric vehicle, you have brand new tires. Tires contribute more than contribute to the range or the energy consumption as a percentage more than internal combustion engines. Why? Because about 70% of the energy that our internal combustion engine rates is lost before it ever hits the road. That's only about 20 or 30% for electric vehicles. They're more efficient. And because electric vehicles are more efficient, the energy loss of a tire, we call that rolling resistance, is more important. And that's simply the reason why you take your foot off the accelerator, you turn off the regenerative braking. The reason why it stops is the uh, the aerodynamics of the vehicle and the tire, tire energy loss. You have a brand new tire. You have a certain amount of tread, and thirty percent of roughly thirty percent of the wear of that energy loss is due to tread. As you wear, as you wear the tire, your the tire becomes more efficient. Your range, all things equal, actually increases to where at the end of life, your range may increase by about 
Now, this happens over a couple of years, so you may or may not notice it. But what many consumers notice is they go from a worn tire to a brand new tire and their range drops by about 4%. In reality, you're back to the range you had when you first put those tires on, but you probably don't remember that, right? It's, it's a shock. You, you go in, you had one range, you ask for the same tire, you come out, I lost 4%. What happened? Well, it's because you've got that brand new set of tread. So that just shows you how important tires are in the selection. That's what the same tire. Uh, typically, the most efficient tires on the electric vehicle are the ones that come with the electric vehicle. Um, they, they're all homologated ones. Um, but there are reasons why you want to change tires. I'll tell you, Nova Scotia just got its first snow. <laughs> and in Quebec, you have to put in winter tires by the December 1st. So one good reason to change your tires is because of winter. In real winter, true winter that you Canadians know and love, right? So that's where you, you're going to really need to change your tires. And you may notice a difference in, in your range because of that. Much of that is due to the, the cold. So whether you notice any difference in tires, that's that's to be determined. Uh, Michelin tires, even the winter tires, are relatively efficient for roller resistance. So I don't expect to see a big difference there. But that's one reason. Another reason is you want longer wear life. We have products that last 80,000 miles. The last one we launched, the Defender 2. 80,000 miles. Sorry, I need to convert that to kilometers. <laughs> um, All good. We, we increased the wear by 20%, and we didn't change the warranty. Why? For electric vehicle owners. So there you have it. There, there are a couple of things, reasons why you want to change, and doing that, you may notice an impact on your range. It's just a matter of what your preference is. So we talked about wear. We talked about range. The other one is noise. This one's pretty simple as well. You take an internal combustion engine out and a transmission and the exhaust pipe. Then really all you're left with is your radio and road noise between the road and tires. And so tires aren't any louder. The vehicle's just quieter, especially if you turn the radio off. And as a consequence, road noise can become more noticeable. There are a couple things that are done. One is many manufacturers including Michelin, put in acoustic foam. This is to dampen the noise, a certain type of noise. It's called cavity noise. If you ever played a basketball, you hear this ping, ping, ping noise. That's cavity noise. Or you take an old Coca-Cola bottle and you blow on it. You get just kind of like that. That's cavity noise that happens in tires. Um, and the more you inflate a tire, put more air in it, the more likely it is to happen. Heavier vehicles typically have more air, so... You have that. And so we put in this acoustic foam and that can dampen the noise for that particular type of noise by about four bars, four decibels, excuse me. Um, and so if you have road conditions where you have a lot of concrete joints um, and you're really sensitive to it, you'll appreciate that technology. Um, if you're on a really smooth surface and that's your normal commute, you may or may not notice the difference. Typically, consumers don't unless they're in situations where they re regularly encounter um, cavity noise. And for that, there's acoustic technology. The other thing that we do is we optimize the tread. You may not, you may or may not know this, but Michelin tread patterns, actually three different widths, three different tread patterns on the tire. And those are to, they're optimized around the tire for noise. We call it piano tuning. 
And the analogy is this. If you have the same blocks, let's say you're hitting the same note on the piano. That's annoying. That can be, right? But if we take those, we actually use three different keys and change the change it, that's that's more appealing, right? So that's what we do. We reduce the overall noise level and spread it and spread it out through acoustic tuning and how we design our tires to reduce road noise. And that's something that's really appreciated by electric vehicle consumers. So those are three things you need to think about, noise, range, and wear. We're talking with Russell Shepard from Michelin, uh, all about electric vehicle uh, uh, and tires and what to look for. I'm, I'm fascinated by the, uh, the noise uh, thing, uh, Russell, because when I got my Tesla Model 3, I just thought, oh my God, this car is so noisy. But uh, to your point, it's because I don't hear the engine anymore. <laughs> right, I'm just hearing the the, the road uh, noise, and I also wondered when I, you know, I did see the inside of uh, the tire uh, at, at one point uh, when I had to get them changed, and yeah, there was foam in it, and it's like, what's that foam for? Um, I just didn't even really think about it, but uh, again, I guess that's like you're saying to to dampen uh, the the noise. So, uh, some some great uh, tips here. Thanks for joining us, Russell. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected. Mike and Carmi here. We're going to get into AI, as I guess we do on a weekly basis now because it's everywhere. But there's a lot of people concerned about artificial technology and how fast it is developing, expanding, growing. And so recently there has been an AI summit, a safety summit. Uh, Give us some details on that, Carmi. Yep. So it was held in a place called Bletchley Park, which is where the codebreakers in the Second World War were based out of. These are, of course, the geniuses who cracked uh, Nazi Germany's codes uh, and the Allies were thus able to figure out what Germany was going to do next without Germany knowing this. So kind of a legendary place to hold it. And it was called the AI Safety Summit. And really, it was to get the world's leaders around the same table to discuss what the what the risks are and how we're going to address them. And what was interesting, there were 27 countries that including Canada and the U.S., of course. Our innovation minister, Francois-Philippe Champagne, was there. Um, and interestingly, China attended, which you would kind of think, well, China, you know, known exporter of cyber insecurities, huge state sponsor of all sorts of nasty things in the digital space, not really folks that we can trust. But, uh, you know, Rishi Sunak, the British prime minister, basically said, look, we got to get everyone around the table, even if we're not 100% comfortable with them. And China did pledge to work with other countries uh, to understand better the risks of AI and to work on resolutions to that risk. How do we mitigate that as a planet? So, yeah, I'm still cynical of China's participation, but I am glad they're there. And I think it was quite the coup to have them there. Interesting Canadian connection to this, Yeshua Bengio, who heads the Mila Institute based in Montreal. He's kind of known as the godfather of AI in Canada. Uh, and he won the Turing Prize a few years ago. That's the kind of like the Nobel for computing. Uh, and uh, he's been enlisted as part of one of the outcomes of this uh, of this AI safety summit. He's going to be leading uh, a team that's going to come up with a report that will highlight the very specific risks and opportunities uh, inherent in AI. So it this it started something. This summit got everyone around the table, but now the work begins. And uh, nice to know a Canadian leader in the industry now has a key role to play in terms of coming up with something. They also signed something called the Bletchley Declaration which agrees that AI could be catastrophic to humanity and that everyone needs to do something to address it. Again, doesn't fix anything. Uh, do I trust China to be 
behave you know perfectly absolutely not but it, we got to start somewhere and if this is where we start i think it's a reasonable place to reasonable place to do so so basically all that came out of it is they all decided that ai could be a problem <laughs> in the future it, Exactly, which, you know, I know seems really trivial, doesn't seem like they accomplished a lot, but, you know, considering how much is at stake and how um, apart countries can be in terms of using AI, China, of course, has been using technology to, you know, mass surveil its population for years, even to get them there, I think, speaks volumes about how frightened a lot of these countries and leaders and frankly, you and I and all of our listeners are uh, about this technology. And so the conversation starts now. They have agreed to hold another summit in six months and another one in a year. So this is going to be an ongoing thing, ongoing dialogue. And even if we don't have long-term concrete results yet, we've got the conversation going and that's going to continue for at least the next year. And I think that's a good thing. Well, on that note, the uh, the British Prime Minister has uh, come out and said that AI could pose the same risk on the level as nuclear war or another pandemic or a worse pandemic. Yeah. That certainly got my attention. As soon as I saw it, I thought, oh, my goodness. You know, it, it, yeah. yeah. And you know, without uh, any kind of mitigation of the risks, uh, sir, we, 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 you know, the potential is definitely there for the technology to be used to uh, sway elections, to destroy economies, to uh, mess with climate change. You know, in the hands of a malevolent or a bad actor, uh, AI can do huge amounts of damage. And I think uh, PM Rishi uh, soon next intention was to get our attention you know basically say it uh uh, you know not sugar-coated don't you know unvarnished uh say it like it is get us all to focus on you know what happens if we don't do anything about it he said it as part of his opening remarks at the safety summit so i think it was just to underscore to everyone who was attending and everyone who was watching what is at stake if we don't get this right we kind of missed the boat with earlier generations of technology for example social media we don't really have the controls in social media that we probably need and i think we can all agree that it has caused significant damage uh you know spread of misinformation mental health impacts on uh end users particularly teenagers uh so you know we didn't get it right there uh, we need to get it right with ai because the risks uh, are even greater and that really was the reason that he went that far I don't think we're going to see mushroom clouds on the horizon anytime soon, but wait a few years. If we stick our heads in the sand on AI, uh, we may yet get there. And I think uh, it's worth listening to and worth paying attention so we get off the sofa, so to speak, uh, and participate in how we're going to fix this. And on that note, Microsoft says AI will actually make your jobs better. The more sunny, the more sunny outlook, I guess. And I, I can see why they're saying that because uh, they are making huge investments into AI. They have put billions of dollars uh, into the chat GPT folks. Uh, they're called OpenAI. I think it's like $13 billion. And mm-hmm. they are incorporating into a lot of their, their products. Uh, for example, Microsoft Office, Office 365. And they're coming out uh, with something called Copilot. And it will be basically make, uh, I, I guess I kind of have to half agree with them. It will make your job a lot easier for what it can do, what I've, I've seen the demos of it can do. It can create PowerPoint presentations and uh, Excel spreadsheets. It can write emails for you. And is it going to make us a little bit dumber though too, Carmi? 
Well, you know, I, I, I look back to the raging arguments that we used to have when I was a kid on you know, electronic calculators and computers in the classroom, you know, that we're, we're not going to have to do anything longhand anymore. The computer will do it for us and we'll lose our ability to you know, process and grow knowledge. Um, you know, whereas the exact opposite has happened. We have now been freed to focus on higher value, higher order uh, thinking. Are you? So we're learning still, but it's a different kind of learning. Um, we're not stuck in the administrivia, the basic stuff. Uh, you know, the long division uh, that, you know, we, we all hated to do as, as kids. So I think AI is the same thing. It'll free us from a lot of the, the drudge work, the manual work of working in an office, of creating content um, and allow us to really, you know, move further up the food chain, so to speak, uh, to be more creative uh, and leave all the, the heavy lifting to the AI. Uh, you know, this survey uh, shows that, you know, for every dollar that a company invests in AI, the return is three and a half dollars. Some companies uh, are even seeing an eight to one uh, ROI on these investments. And so, you know, of course, Microsoft has 13 billion reasons to uh, issue a report like this that has all sorts of sunny pieces of data uh, on how AI is so great. Um, so you sort of have to take it with a bit of a grain of salt. But the truth of the matter is this is where the industry is going, whether we like it or not. Pretty soon, every product from Microsoft and from Google and from Amazon and from everyone else is going to have some form of AI powering it. Uh, and uh, and this is just the reality. And even if we're afraid of where AI is going, um, this is the future. Uh, and so we're going to continue to see surveys like this. Some will come from vendors and we'll have to sort of squeeze our eyes a little bit and say, mm, there's a bit of an agenda there. But we're also going to see some independent research that bears that out as well. And I would expect that over the next few weeks and months and years as well. Have you listened to the new Beatles song that was uh, AI assisted? Oh yes, I have uh, now and then, and it honestly made I, I I felt chills down to the base of my spine. It was like I was listening to, uh, you know, John Lennon in his golden age. It was it was a wonderful example of AI, and I think it's, you know, we have to sort of you know AI can cure cancer, AI can address poverty, AI can level inequities in you know economic distribution, and it can bring us a new Beatles song decades after John Lennon uh, passed away because it uses AI and machine learning to lift his voice off of a lousy old cassette and process it to a level that even wasn't available back then. So this is this is good AI. Uh, and it made us feel something. There was a, you know, in, in, in a time of darkness and lack of positivity, uh, I think it gave people a little bit of a smile. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've, I, I've got it on uh, massive repeat play every time I'm in the car, uh, because it's just a beautiful song and AI made it possible. Well, it looks like that's all the time we have left for Get Connected today. Carmi, I want to thank you as always for uh, joining me on the program. Always great being with you, Mike. Thanks so much. So I uh, did promise that I would tell you the secret word for our contest. Uh, we're giving away an iPhone 15 and uh, it's easy. You just go to our website, getconnectedmedia.com and uh, enter. But if you also go there, you can input the secret word to get extra ballots into uh try to winning this uh, beautiful phone the secret word this week is alexa and i again apologize for setting off uh, people's digital assistants uh, out there but if you enter that word into the uh, the contest page there there's some instructions on how to do that you will be able to get extra entries and uh, hopefully win that beautiful iphone 15 uh, fantastic uh, smartphone I want to thank carmy and all the other folks that helped put this program together we will see you again next time here on get connected